This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children. This includes, but is not limited to, ass, damn, douche canoe, thunder cunt, twat waffle, jizz inhaling gerbil fucker, and Barbara Streisand. Tonight's episode is brought to you by coffee because I drink a metric fucking what kind of, coffee. What kind of sponsor is that? That wow. is a terrible sponsor. That's the okay. worst. Just okay. the worst. All right. Well, tonight's episode is brought to you by coffee. Well, my plan will be to have the best sponsors. And I've had people look at them. And these are these are really smart people that I've had looking at them. And they, they tell me, these people that are really smart, they tell me that this is, it's the best, just some of the best sponsors. Well, can you, um, can you disclose your um, Patreon supporters and... Uh... You know, give me that information. Barack Obama wasn't born in America. Anyways, tonight's episode is brought Wonder to you by coffee. That's the standard procedure. Because I drink I didn't a say that. ton of coffee while preparing for this that. podcast every week. Okay, let's move on. China. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my so-so friend, Natalie. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm... I'm decent. I'm not the worst. It's like I'm sort of tolerable sometimes, maybe. I mean, it only nice it only burns a little. Just a little bit. I mean, we've, you know, you've suffered through what um 18 episodes up to this point. We're on number 19. It's it's this okay. This is 19. Uh, well, so, you should change the title of the Google Doc here. It's as 18. I'm changing it right now. Well, you know what? 18. Okay, yeah. Damn it. I, the Google the Google, the Google Doc is a constant cut and paste um, scenario on my part. So sometimes, sometimes the the um, header doesn't doesn't change. And but you the want equal there. pay. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump right into it. What is our God of the Week? Okay, so our God of the Week um, comes to us from Ireland. Her name is Bridget. She is. I just put down she's the Irish goddess of lots of things because like so many of our former gods and goddesses like they're just in charge of a shitload of stuff so she's got um poetry she's got the dawn fertility the spring um smithcraft i don't actually know what that is but it doesn't matter i'm it's like a combination of like like smithing and crafting i feel like are kind of kind of similar ideas at least is it like metal work well metal work would be blacksmithing but like Smithcraft. Right. That's just, okay. that's like something somebody wrote down because they were drunk. Which I mean, you know, it sounds like is it like the Pinterest version of like blacksmithing? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so so she she seems she seems pretty cool. So she's born at like the break of dawn, and she ascended in the sky into the sky towards the sun, like all dramatic or whatever. She when she would walk around, shamrocks and flowers would appear where where she stepped, like. That sounds all majestic and beautiful. Sounds majestic and all that AF. Stuff. Um, right? Seriously. So she, you know, like poets worshipped her. She was just a woman of of poetry, and gr- she was great and noble, and she healed people. I don't know. Just she did a shitload of stuff, I guess. But um, one of the tragic things that happened to her, because something tragic, I think, usually has to happen, right? Um, she was married and. Her and her husband had three sons who were like warriors or something. And there was a war because there's always war. And, you know, all all these stories are just, you know, sex and death and madness. But um, one of her sons died in battle. And her sorrow for this was just so great. And she was just crying in a 
fucking disaster, I guess. Her cries were so loud that all, like, both sides of the war, like, everyone heard her crying. And it caused them to um, call a truce. So in war, all you need is, like, that's why that's why women yeah that's why women shouldn't be in in the military because because we we i mean of course we all know women cry and that's distracting all the time all the time it's all All they do is is shop do their nails and cry like i i mean i'm i'm taking like a what like 15 minute break right now (laughs) and i'm just i'm just not i'm just not crying so so that's it like that yeah i'm you're welcome for for me keeping my composure for this long. So um so yeah, like the so she was I guess just a pretty well-known Irish goddess and supposedly then the Christians took this pagan goddess and turned her into Saint Bridget. But you know, or maybe it's a coincidence because everything in Christianity totally happened. Um so why would they steal a story? Uh yeah, so, well, so there you, we go. When, I was going to say, when you, start, when you start an entire religion based on a lie about cheating on your husband, boyfriend, whatever, then, I mean, the sky's the limit as to what, what you can steal from there. The sky is the limit. And, um, yeah, so th- this, was a, this was a pretty good pretty good story, I think. I mean, honestly, they're all kind of interesting stories, if you take it like that. They're fairy tales. And who doesn't like a fairy tale involving sex and death, right? Yeah. It sounds like every meaningful relationship I've ever been in. Sex and death. Barack Obama's a Muslim. Tonight, we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Amy Tutor. Dr. Tutor writes about pseudoscience and parenting at The Skeptical OB and has recently written the book, Pushback, Guilt in the Age of Natural Parenting. So, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So I, I want to get started by saying that I, I recently read your book and absolutely loved it. Um, as a parent myself, um, it was refreshing to read your take on childbirth and and parenting um small children so thank you for writing it oh i'm so glad that you liked it yeah and so i guess i want to start um we'll start with the book and i'd like to know just like what inspired you to write this particular book well i had been i had been a practicing obstetrician and then um in the last uh 10 years I had been writing a blog and I was really surprised by how guilty and upset so many women felt about having a C-section or bottle feeding or having an epidural. And uh, it was that way when I was practicing, but I think it's really gotten a lot worse. And there are many things that are parenting about, about parenting that are very hard but we don't have to add extra things. And it seemed to me that women were carrying much too much guilt over issues that really were not that big a deal. And so who, like, who is your target demographic? Is it just all parents or non-parents too? Um... Well, um, some of the more philosophical aspects of it are issues for anybody. You know, the, should women be allowed to control their own bodies? And what do we think of a medical movement that tells women exactly how to do things? But as a general matter, I wrote 
for women who are pregnant or have recently had children who did not have the birth that the natural childbirth script says they should have, are feeling bad about it, and really shouldn't be feeling badly at all. Um, I I remember taking a um, childbirth class before my my first son was born. He's um, three years old now. And I, looking back now, you know, at three years later, um, I'm remembering how much of the focus was put on everything being natural. Like the movie, The Business of Being Born, um, plus, you know, what I learned in this class, like, I ended up feeling a little bit scared about doing anything other than, you know, just having a baby naturally. And I say that, like, with air quotes, because, you know... Well, that's how you're meant to feel. Yeah. And that's not how your obstetrician wants you to feel. And for most certified nurse midwives, that's not how they want you to feel. But uh, there is a childbirth industry, and it works by convincing women that there's one and only one way to give birth. It's a one-size-fits-all program, not keeping in mind the fact that every mother is different, every baby is different, every situation is different. And so it's inevitable, because it's one-size-fits-all, that it's going to be a very bad fit for a lot of women. And what the industry has done is instead of looking to itself and saying, you know, why are we making women feel bad? They say, you know what, just try harder next time and you can have the birth that we have scripted for you. Well, one thing that I like that you noted in your book was you said obstetricians focus on outcome, which is what? I mean, a healthy and alive um, mom and baby, right? Well, I mean, so much of what passes for natural childbirth philosophy are scientific claims that aren't even true. And and that's the first problem. The second problem is that... um, You know, people don't think of natural childbirth as an industry because they think of industry as like a large corporation that makes billions of dollars. But for many of these people, it's 100% of their income. So they're very invested in getting you to agree with what they are selling. And uh, they uh, always, sadly, demonize obstetricians and they place themselves in opposition to opposite uh, to obstetricians. You know, I often say for them, every day is opposite day. So if your doctor says the most important thing is a healthy mother and a healthy baby, they say, no, the most important thing is your experience. And, and, doctor- and who are, who are these people like that were like, you're saying they say this, like who, who are these people? Is I'm obviously being a male and not having given birth directly myself. I don't, I don't, I, I guess I'm not ex- as exposed to all all this kind of nonsense side of things. Well, uh, it's some midwives, a lot of doulas, a lot of childbirth educators, the lobbying organizations that represent them, like Lamaze and the Childbirth Connection. The people. There, so there are people with the title childbirth educator. Absolutely. That's a real thing that exists. It's a it, real thing. It it is, <laughs> and I mean, it's like you know they. There are classes that you go to before you have a baby, and mm-hmm. 
And I mean, like, I I went to one that was just like a one day thing. It, I didn't go to like weeks of childbirth classes, um, whatever. But but there are people who do invest a lot of time. Yeah, I remember in, my yeah. my mom when she had my youngest uh, brother. Like, they would go to classes like once a week for however many weeks they went. But it it was a thing that w- it was multiple nights. And when my uh, children's mother for both of our our kids, we never went to any sort of class. That was never even something that something that we even discussed because and, and even when we got to the hospital it was you know you have these trained professionals that know what they're doing yeah and uh well, I mean, well childbirth classes started for a very good reason the original purpose of them was to tell women what they could expect when they went into labor mm-hmm. through the process of labor through delivery through the first few days afterwards mm-hmm. and those are sort of empirical things. Here's what we do at this hospital. Here's what's likely to happen to you. But over time, it has become infused with ideology. So it's no longer just here's what will happen, but here's how you must react to what happens. You know, no matter how much pain you're in, you should stand it. You should feel empowered by it. You should never give in to it. You should never relieve it. And it really, when you take a step back and think about it, it's terrible because why should women be empowered by the pain of labor? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that will happen the day that men are empowered by passing a kidney stone. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you go. And, and if, I pa- if I ever pass a kidney stone, I want all the goddamn drugs you can give me to. I don't Absolutely. want to feel... Uh, well, single yeah. thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> and and then and you go in, and you and I mean anything can happen. I mean, I so I'm somebody. I had two C sections. Um, obviously, like the first one wasn't planned, but it happened, and I'm really grateful for that being an experience that helped me have Milo, who came out healthy, and I was good, and whatever, and then. I scheduled my second one because I, I I didn't feel like I needed to have the experience of, you know, the other way of doing things. But there is pressure, I think, out there, even if you've had one C-section, to have another. Or, I mean, to not have another. Well, what's happened is that birth itself has been commodified. It's been turned into basically the equivalent of a wedding. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be your special day, and you should plan everything out, and you should do everything according to a script. And the worst part of this is if you don't want this, you're supposed to feel that there's something wrong with you. And if you don't have this, if you wanted it, you're supposed to feel that you failed. And um, there there are some researchers, uh, very few, have, who are working on the uh, sort of the anthropology of the natural childbirth movement. And one of the things they have noted is that for most of human existence, a good birth experience was a live baby and a live mother. It's only within the last couple of decades that a, a good birth experience means a good experience. And it, the fact that the baby will be healthy and the mother will be healthy are just taken for granted. And they shouldn't be. Because it's not guaranteed. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just, I think, part of just what people do in general, that they like to romanticize things and like to be, you know, natural, whatever the hell that means. And, and really, I mean, is it, is it not, to, if you're looking at it objectively, it's a, a, like a C-section is a surgical procedure. It's a medical procedure. It's not, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even like weddings <laughs> in the first place, uh-huh. like things like that. I, I, I don't, I just don't, I just don't like just ceremony like, about don't, things that yeah, are necessary. Like, yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't get excited and like post about, you know, going to the bathroom and you know, that's something that we do every day and that that's common and I do it naturally, but like, I, I don't, I've never understood, uh, you know, putting, you know, something like, like childbirth, like a medical procedure, you don't get excited about, you know, getting your appendix taken out. So I don't understand, I understand like the actual procedure of how we're going to do things, getting excited about that. I absolutely understand the part of, you know, you, now you have this child, you've created a child. I, I get that. It's, but the, all, all the other stuff just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know, it came out of a place that, I mean, I totally understand why it became popular. If you think about how Lamaze really gained popularity in the 1960s, in large part it was in response to the patriarchal medical system. And the patriarchy, the patriarchal medical system existed for men as well as for women. I mean, in the early 60s, many doctors didn't tell people if they had cancer, thinking that they didn't need to know. But the way that it expressed itself in obstetrics is women were knocked out. They couldn't be awake for having their baby. They were shaved. They were given enemas. And uh, that didn't really enhance the experience. So when natural childbirth first came to America, the goals were very laudatory. They were, um, you know, to be awake during childbirth to have pain relief if you wanted it, but not if you didn't, to not have a shave, to not have an enema, and most especially to be able to bring a support person in with you when you were having a baby. And those were really good ideas. And by the early 1980s, the natural childbirth movement had achieved all its objectives. But instead of declaring victory and going home, they moved the goalposts. So before what was a birth that um, you would have it your way, essentially, now became a very stylized kind of thing. And um, they began promoting what they called normal birth, which they believe recapitulated birth in nature. Uh, It really doesn't, but uh, just like nothing we do recapitulates nature. (laughs) Which will be terrifying. (laughs) Nature will kill you. Right. That means you have a high likelihood of like either dying or not being not having the same quality of life <laughs> that that, right. that you experienced before. But I also think that when um, if you really consider the philosophy behind it, it turns out that natural childbirth and breastfeeding activism and attachment parenting they all share one thing in common: they all make more work. For mothers and to do them right according to the script more or less means that you're not going to work outside the home you're not going to have a career you're not going to have anything except be a mother and 
I don't think that that's a coincidence that all those things turned out that way. I think it's, uh, you know, a reaction to the emancipation of women. For the first time in human existence in the last century, women uh, had the right to vote, had economic rights, legal rights, and a seismic change like that doesn't occur without backlash. I personally think that on the right, the backlash has been expressed as a return to religious fundamentalism, which situates women firmly in the home and yeah. having their, you know, their horizons extend only to raising children. And on the left, you have the rise of natural parenting, which keeps women in the home, ties them to their children, and teaches them that their worth is connected to the function of their reproductive organs. And to me, that's pretty unfortunate. Well, and isn't, I mean, it's happening right from the moment um, that you give birth at some points now because there's the whole ba like baby-friendly hospital initiative um, right. that I want to talk about just because it starts from the moment you give birth, that you are expected to, you know, be all about being... A mother, even if you've just essentially had surgery, like a C-section, um, right. there's there's a high expectation there right from the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about what the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative is? So the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative um, is a is an effort to promote breastfeeding, and breastfeeding is a good thing. I I have four children; they're all grown now, but I breastfed them. Uh, and breastfeeding has real benefits as demonstrated by science. Sadly, the, um, the breastfeeding industry has completely exaggerated the benefits of breastfeeding all out of proportion to what the science shows. And I think that the name of their initiative, the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, uh, gives you a clue to the way they look at women who don't breastfeed. That the name of the program is a deliberate slap in the face to people who don't do things their way. And that's a real problem because breastfeeding, like anything else, it can be good for one mother and baby pair and not for another. One size doesn't fit all. The benefits of breastfeeding, the scientifically proven benefits of breastfeeding are really limited to about 8% fewer colds and 8% fewer episodes of diarrheal illness across an entire population of infants in the first year. That means most infants, you won't see any benefit to breastfeeding. And the other benefits claimed for it, intelligence, it prevents obesity, it prevents cancer, those things have not been proven. They're based on data that is weak, that is conflicting, and that is riddled by what we call confounders because um, the women who breastfeed are much more likely to be wealthier and better educated. So the better health outcomes that we might see are more likely to be uh, due to better socioeconomic status and not breast milk. So the idea that we should have a 10-step program that uh, quote-unquote encourages women to breastfeed by locking up formula yeah. by um, having everybody visited by a lactation consultant to help them breastfeed, even if they don't want to breastfeed, 
that we are closing newborn nurseries to force women to room in with their babies, whether they want to or not, that's really wrong. It's punitive. It's not justified by the benefits of breastfeeding. And it doesn't take into account that every woman is different. Well, and I, I was talking um, with some some friends today just because we were having, you know, knowing that you were coming on the show, I was asking them, you know, do you have any anything you want me to talk about with Amy? And that, like this is what came up was the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative and how you have to really advocate for yourself as a as a mom who just had a baby, even if you want, say, like an hour of sleep. Um <laughs> Like to take, I, I asked with our second, with the second child, like for them to take uh, Zeke to the nursery for like an hour just so I could sleep after C-section. Like that seems crazy to me that you need to advocate for yourself to maybe get a little bit of rest. Well, you know, it's worse than crazy because it is crazy and it's very punitive, yeah. but it's also deadly. Because what we have found uh, is that the process, the the, the um, practice of having moms room in with their babies, whether they want to or not, and whether they're on medication for pain or not, or have just had surgery, is a setup for suffocation deaths in the mother's bed, or yeah. for the baby falling out of the mother's bed when the um, mother falls asleep. Mm -hmm. And everything we know about sudden infant death syndrome, you know, a baby should be on its back, it should be on a firm surface, no pillows, no um, uh, soft bedding, uh, no, not in the same bed as an, as an adult, and certainly not somebody that's impaired by drugs. So we know all that about sudden infant death syndrome. And what do we do? We say to mothers, you know what? Here's your baby. Put it in your bed with the soft bedding. And yes, you're a little out of it because of your medication, but no problem. You should be with your baby and your baby shouldn't be in the nursery. And then babies die. Yeah. So, I mean, the... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add... Like the, the narrative has become such that it's just all about the natural parenting and all about the baby-friendly initiative. I mean, is there a way to change that and make it more evidence-based? Well, there certainly is. But I do think that what we really um, need to point out is that this is not about being baby-friendly and doing yeah. what's good for babies. This is about being mother-punitive. And it's, it's punishing women who don't want to do things in the approved way. And it's thinking about women as if the only thing matters that matters about them is whether they use their reproductive organs in an approved manner. Now, that's traditionally the way that society viewed women. You know, they reduce them to their breasts and uterus and vagina. And... In 2016, we should not have a program that believes that the most important thing about a woman is how she uses her reproductive organs. Women have brains, they have talents, they have character, and they have the capacity to make their own feeding and childbirth decisions. So I just find it deeply 
retrograde and anti-feminist, even beyond the fact that it has nothing to do with science, in fact, it usually violates science, it's just sexist. Well, and there's. I, de- yeah. I guess I, I, I didn't have any of these. This is why this is all just kind of somewhat foreign to me. I didn't have any, I should say, my uh, mother, my children, and myself didn't have any of these kind of experiences with uh, either with her OB or whenever we actually were in the hospital from any of the nurses uh, that we had for either of her children. They were both very supportive and just very like. Uh, because we we had trouble breastfeeding, and oh, I say we, uh, I didn't have trouble. I I didn't even try. Um, but but that that was something that struck me uh, with the whole breastfeeding thing is it's so much work, like just as a woman to do that, and it just like I can't like unless you're pumping like all the time, like I can't like as a dad really help out. It's always going to be mom getting up in the middle of the night feeding the feeding the newborn and you know mom's got to worry about you know well and, and 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 even then mom can't can't have a glass of wine mom can't uh, you know has to has to be cognizant of, of all those things and that's just so much work and no I there's why, i don't know there's why anybody mi- would want to do <laughs> to themselves it's just whenever you have you know options that are just as good well there there's a misconception i think that breastfeeding is or breast milk is free but it, it costs a lot of time. <laughs> it, it really does. It costs time. It costs money. It costs energy. It's not free yeah. at all. But it's so typical of the way that the movement views women, that their time and energy is considered worthless. And that, to me, is... is well, and to me as a dad, too, that makes, like, the, like the put... Because we, we bottle-fed both of our kids. We didn't even try with the second one. But... It was it, it it's it's such like a position of like I don't have any any way to really help out. I mean, I can wake up with her and like sit next to her and like stare at her, <laughs> you know, at three a.m. Whenever you know we both just want to be asleep. But even then, I mean, I can't really do much to to help that situation. Right. Well, as I say, I mean, it's always more work for mother, and if you want to do it, that's fine. I mean, I I always feel. Co- Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you, you shouldn't or it's a bad idea. I'm just saying, it's it's so much work. <laughs> right, it is a lot of work. Uh, I mean, I did it and I really enjoyed it, and I know a lot of women really enjoy it. But it should be a, a woman's choice, not a not an obligation, because the medical benefits just aren't that large. Yeah, I I like the idea like that. I mean, that definitely has been going around online of like fed is best, you know, like as opposed to just breast is best. I mean, a a child who is growing and eating and, you know, doing what they should be doing, whether it's breast milk or formula or both. Right. Seems to make sense. I I think that uh, most women can figure out for themselves what works for them and their child. And they don't really need a script, whether yeah. it's for childbirth or for breastfeeding or for. Well, I think I think like with any with any good pseudoscience, it always it starts with, you know, just an ounce of truth where you like I, I didn't know what to, what to expect whenever we went to the hospital. So, you know, and I can only imagine like as a woman having this. You know, 
thing ripped from inside of you, you know, is is terrifying in and of itself. But also you don't know what's going to happen when you get to the hospital. So it starts with that ounce of, well, you know, this is this is how this is going to happen. This is how, you know, and then after you give birth, you know, you're going to go to this room and things like that. But then it, it builds on, you know, like you've said before, builds on. Uh, it evolves into this whole, well, you have to do, you know, you have to breastfeed, you have to have natural birth, you have, you know, and if you don't do this, you're not, you know, you're not as good of a mom, you're not going to be, you know, like all these other moms over here that, you know, are so happy that they did do that. And you're going to have all the, you know, all these regrets and, and, and right. so on and so forth. Well, I, I think another thing that's important to note is that uh, there's a lot of privilege involved here. It's not mm -hmm. a coincidence that these movements are run by um, Western, white, well-educated women of um, uh, relatively uh, high socioeconomic standing. You know, not every woman wants to do natural childbirth. Not every woman wants to breastfeed. Um, it's much more of a... Um, a norm among privileged women. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something wrong with saying, this is what privileged women do, and now we should make everybody else do it too. Because in the world of natural parenting, if, if it means that if you're a Hispanic mother uh, who has to go back to work at Walmart after two or three weeks, if by definition, by the natural parenting definition, you can't be a good mother, then something is wrong with natural parenting, not with those women. Yeah, and it, it seems like these, these movements gain so much um, weight and have such a loud voice, even like just in the age of the internet too. Like there's so much space for this sort of pseudoscience and woo to be pushed um, as far as parenting goes. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, what what you see on places like Facebook with the natural parenting and um, or even just like the crazier sort of anti-vax and alt-med type of groups that pop up and sort of congratulate each other for right. not using medicine right. and stuff. Well, you know, a lot of these things are not really about medical issues. They're about parents and how they wish to see themselves. So it's not so much about what they're doing with the baby. It's how they're distinguishing themselves from all the other people who they refer to as the sheeple. Who just, <laughs> um, listen to their uh, obstetricians and pediatricians. Uh, what a, a, you know, the, the Internet has really uh, given these movements a lot of power and that's pretty ironic because the same people that are hectoring you endlessly to have your baby naturally and feed your baby naturally are sitting there doing so on a very sophisticated piece of technology. Yes. <laughs> so that's really, um, that's pretty ironic. But uh, what happens is that these, uh, these activists uh, form groups that are essentially echo chambers. You know, you'll see somebody will come into the group and they'll ask a question. They'll say, or they'll say something like, I liked my C-section. They're deleted. Then they're banned. There has to be ideological purity in the group. 
And that puts a lot of pressure on the people that remain in the group because they begin to think that there is no one who disagrees. And in that sense, the internet has really been a bad thing. It's kind of like the equivalent of, of Fox News. You know, when you only hear one side, you don't have a good idea of reality. And uh, uh, people always ask me, how do I know if a website or a Facebook group or a message board is a good place to get information about childbirth or infants? And I say the easiest way to tell is whether or not they ban and delete people. Because if they do, then you aren't going to get accurate information. And so people, I, I mean, we've seen it um, where people will actually post like pictures of, you know, a child who I'm, I'm thinking of one that happened um, with maybe a week or so ago. It was like a candy cane looking umbilical cord. Right. Do you remember that one? Like people will post things like that. What what obligation, if any, do people have like when they see that and see a child who's potentially in danger? Well, just post it on Facebook. You have to ask yourself, why is a group of women preening over the fact that they had unassisted births? That came from the unassisted birth group, where it's not just that they had their baby at home, but they had their baby with no medical professional at all. And they're all patting themselves on the back about that. And uh, so right away, there's a problem. And... uh, when something happens and the baby is not normal, they don't take the baby in because they're afraid of what the doctor's going to say about the fact that they had a baby at home. And so that actually increases the risk to the baby. And uh, But the worst part is that these babies die. Some of them die. And the women, you know, go into the group and they ask for sympathy and they say, well, You know, it doesn't matter that I wasn't at the hospital. It doesn't matter that I didn't have a midwife. The baby would have died anyway. Huh. You know, that's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. Yeah. It's worse than ridiculous. It's pretty hideous. And then, I mean, you, so you're in kind of an interesting, tough position sometimes, it seems like, where you, you will bring these issues, like, to the surface, And then, I I mean, I've seen people commenting on your skeptical OB page, and they, I mean, it gets kind of accusatory. I mean, how, like, what's (laughs) what's, that's what's your, I mean, people refer to me as Satan. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But, um, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me at all. Because if you think that the problem is that uh, uh, I'm exposing people who give birth to their children at home and let them die then we really don't have much to talk about because I think the problem is that people give birth to their babies at home and let them die. And we're not talking the same language if you think that that's not a problem. And so what, like, like who, like, I'm just shocked to like, to see that these are people that really do exist. Well, at the extremes, it's a cult. Yeah. It's really a Mm -hmm. cult. I mean, it has nothing to do with babies. It's not about what's good for babies. Not just it's not good scientifically, but it isn't really about them anyway. It's, you know, these things like uh, home birth, it's like the designer handbag of childbirth. Uh, You know, designer handbags aren't really any better than other handbags. 
But some people think they are and think they're a symbol of status. And within those groups, a home birth is a status symbol. And at, I mean, at the end of the day, you just need something to hold your shit whenever you're busy doing other things. And at the, at the same notion, you just want a child that's healthy and happy and is eating and, you know, continues breathing on a consistent basis. Well, you do and I do, but not everybody. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, I guess to people listening who are who are parents or who are going to be parents one day, maybe, I mean... What's your advice to them? I mean, there's so much out there. There's such a fear culture out there. What What's your advice to, to people who are about to kind of get in this crazy game of being a parent? Well, I go back to, um, I go way back uh, to Dr. Spock. And I, when my children were born, I bought the book and I still have my copy. And if you dropped it on the floor, it would automatically open to the page. Why is my baby crying? (laughs) Um, But the thing that I like best about the book is the very first line is trust yourself. You know more than you think you do. And what he meant by that was not that you know more than the doctor. What he meant was You'll know what's good for you and what's good for your baby. And that's what you should go with, not what some group on Facebook tells you. So I think in every other area, we hire experts to guide us. We don't always listen to what they say, but we recognize their expertise. And childbirth and pediatrics are really no different. You consult experts to guide you. You don't necessarily have to do everything that they tell you, but they are there to help you have a healthy baby. And the fact is that they're legally responsible for the health of you and your baby. The Facebook group, if something terrible happens because you take their advice, where are they going to be? They're not going to do anything for you. And you're the best you can hope for is they'll give you a little sympathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so trust I, I yourself. Think, I do think it's important to say we've been talking here about the very extreme. Not all, you know, the, it, there's nothing extreme about wanting to breastfeed. There's nothing extreme about saying I'm afraid to have an epidural because I'm afraid of needles. There's nothing extreme about that. It's it's the idea that there's only one right way to have a baby. That there's only one right way, and that my way is the only way. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think for, for parents in general, it's like, you know, it's not all just, you know, glorious beauty and you are, you know, happy all the time. And it's (laughs) having, like having a kid is fantastic and amazing. And sometimes it sucks. And it's, I think being able to admit that. And it's okay to say that. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't love your children still. Right. I mean, children are people. They're not They're not accessories. You can't get yes. them to do what you want just because you want it. They're, they're individuals, and they have their own needs and desires, and they'll make them know. And that's what makes parenting hard. So the idea that every baby needs to be born the same way or fed the same way, to me, that seems kind of ridiculous. Well, I, I just, I guess, want to thank you again for doing what you're doing and trying to take away some of the guilt and 
and shame that sadly has sometimes gone along with um, with being a, a parent. So thank you for coming on and talking to us about all this stuff. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, if people want to follow your work um, online or wherever, um, where can they find you? You can find me at the uh, website, skepticalob.com, S-K-E-P-T-I-C-A-L-O-B.com, or the Facebook page, The Skeptical OB. Awesome. And we'll have links to those in our show notes. And um, Amy, thank you so much. internet is because of do we want to just say comet threads can we just say that yeah i mean and how yeah, how and easily how easily some 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 vocal uh theist uh, can be can be provoked and just like can we say just like kind of kind of lose their shit a little bit is that fair for me to say yeah i mean i i think that you recently have had people lose their shit on your facebook page and it's like and i don't know if again why we love the internet is appropriate it's just kind of this is a thing that happens on the internet that you know you can have a conversation around because yeah dumpster fire central on any post that and i don't well what is it yeah i don't mind i mean in case if you're not familiar with my page i i mean i can just i don't mind having dumpster fires of comment threads it's, yeah. it's amusing to me because i mean sometimes i mean i post i post kind of all, all sorts of stuff but uh especially when it when it pertains to religion it's 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 fun for me just to just to say something just you know sometimes just to see what people say and so on let's see september 20th i i just posted four words there are no gods which i mean is is a fact it's true um there there's no it is a fact there's there is no evidence that that shows that there is a God or multiple gods. Yeah. You, I mean, so. you, you can't, you can't argue with that from an evidence-based perspective. So, I mean, I, I thought it would get, it would just do, you know, get like maybe like five comments or somebody say, I thought this was a science page. Um, sorry to disappoint you, but I got all sorts of comments. And so what I wanted to do, I just wanted to read some of these because like, and, and see like how long I can last before, uh, <laughs> before before I, I start cracking up, um, probably the well, probably the, my favorite one. You 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 just read this one, and we were prepping for this segment. So like, go ahead uh, if you want to re- read that that one that you uh, pointed out. Okay. So so what sticks out to me is you are right. There is only one. Thanks for pointing this out. You're so smart. And like you know because I'm I'm the one thing that I'm just kind of a dick about is just like. I don't know, spell check your shit and use the right grammar your, but formatting. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to be a sarcastic, you know, kind of a dick. Yeah. Just like, just do it right. But, um, but yeah, like people do flock to posts like this to, um, to assert that, you know, God capital G exists and you, you got them all on this one. I think like a lot of them. Here's, here's another one that that was one of my, one of my favorites on this one. <laughs> I can't even. Okay, hold on. Get it together, Broadbent. There are gods, but not in the way people think. We are sort of gods. 
We are the creatures. Who invented machines and medicines? And also, the gods are in religion, and religion is in us. In our own minds. I'm an atheist, though. <laughs> what? I think, I, you know what? I think somebody was like, no, I think somebody was drunk booking at that point. It's like, I, yeah, like, you know. or Or it's, or it's an excellent troll. Either way, either way, it works out in the end for me. It does. I mean, you, you get to, you get to read these and, um, and see, you know, and then, oh, then I just see somebody posted a picture of Harambe. So, you know, it just makes any comment thread good. Yeah. And, and let me know that I, I'm, I'm wrong because, uh, of course there is only Harambe. I love, I love these, uh, also same person did <laughs> the, the Eminem, like eight mile, <laughs> like all these spitoffs, uh, memes that they did one shot, one opportunity, spaghetti, spaghetti, oh, long thin yeah, pasta, yeah. one moment, tomato sauce on his sweater already. Like, I just, oh, I don't know why that's so funny. Yeah, it's, well, it, this, this is the one thing though, I think people get super worked up about, like in your comment sections, like here, you're not a true science enthusiast. You're an atheist. Great. Good for you. Like, okay. I mean, then then it's like a whole paragraph and I don't feel like (laughs) a whole paragraph because, you know, we, we've already had a lot of show by this point, but, um, yeah, people get worked up when you when you assert that there are um, well, that it, there are no yeah, and gods. it's it's almost as though they are forming their beliefs based on emotions. So whenever you attack that belief, they have an emotional response. Deeply held beliefs, hard to um, hard to get around, you know, and and it comes out, and the internet is the place where it just comes. Yeah, and we're in, in, in I think I think we both, uh, you probably better than I do, d- emphasize, like, we, we're we making fun of the idea, or we're attacking the idea, never attacking the person like that, because that's, that's not how you have, uh, not how you're going to change any minds, by attacking people and, and name-calling people like that, but, I mean, if, if, if you can't take a joke, then uh, the internet's probably not the place for you in the first place. And and just you know, learn how to use your. your <laughs> well, and, and yeah, and with, and with that's that one, my, that's my that's just my she, PSA. Um, she also messed up the punctuation right. and yeah, kinda, I, yeah. I mean, I there's there, I that yeah. there are multiple issues with with, with like that one. yeah. I mean, if you're if you're gonna tell me that there is a god, at least at least spell it all right and put a period at the end of the sentence and like and it's just something. It's something. And on that note, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you have comments or suggestions or hate mail or love letters, you can reach us at podcast at ascienceenthusiast.com. You can also find our full podcast archive at ascienceenthusiast.com slash category slash podcast. Follow the podcast page on Facebook. You can also follow Natalie's page, Skeptical Parenting, or myself, Dan, as a science enthusiast. And if you enjoy the show, please consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TSE podcast to get access to premium content, as well as early episodes interviews and all that other good stuff uh, we understand not everybody can financially contribute and that's totes cools but if you can just like james and the the three michaels that we have michael 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 alice johanna chris janet and sarah we would be incredibly grateful natalie hit us with a quote i find many adults are put off when young children pose scientific questions why is the moon round? The children ask. Why is the grass green? What is a dream? How deep can you dig a hole? When is the world's birthday? Why do we have toes? Too many teachers and parents answer with irritation or ridicule or quickly move on to something else. Children soon recognize that somehow this kind of question annoys the grown-ups. A few more experiences like it and another child has been lost to science. 
Why adults should pretend to omniscience before six-year-olds, I can't for the life of me understand. What's wrong with admitting that we don't know something? Is our self-esteem so fragile? And that is Carl Sagan. My and the answer to that is yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but you know, but not, but not knowing and being curious and all of that is one of the best parts of life. So, yeah. And I think that that kind of can lead into who our guest is next week. Um, we're have, we have the wonderful um, Michael Marshall Marsh joining us next week, who is just kind of like skeptic extraordinaire of um, Good Thinking Society and um, Merseyside Skeptics and Be Reasonable and all that good stuff. And I'm um, really excited to share our interview. Next yeah, spoiler week. alert, it already happened and it was absolutely it already, it already happened. It was absolutely incredible. He was great. So um so come back next week, maybe, for episode twenty. Or don't. I mean, I'm not, not your dad. I I mean I, I suggest at least coming back for episode twenty because it's pretty good. That is episode twenty, isn't it? It is. Like we're we're getting there. Like our podcast is almost legal drinking like, age. At what point do we yeah. do we lose the ability to say, hey, we're kind of new? Yeah, this. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Whoa, I, don't know. I mean, I th- I think we have at least two dozen listeners well, at this point. Well, I mean, I, like I'm sure we like lose and gain <laughs> as, as weeks go on because we're like, fuck these guys. Um, yeah. So, but I think we. I would guess we probably have a core. You like, said twat waffle at the beginning of the show, and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. So you 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 lost you lost a few right there. Like they they're they're not even listening anymore because twat waffle well that, that i just, will say though but looking I, at looking yeah. at our numbers here we we, we actually uh we just hit thirty thousand total downloads all time uh, and then just in september and we still of course have uh, a few days left here in another episode to, or this episode's coming out uh but for september we were just under fifteen thousand downloads for this month alone that's, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah that's crazy um, this it like it's just fun you know like the fact that we get to just I mean, we, you know, we, we talk to each other, whatever, that's fine. But like, and we get to talk to these like interesting people, you know? Right. And we're lucky. Yeah, no. Yeah, cool. yeah. I've always, yeah. yeah, like, like, like I've said every single time before, I, I feel so, so privileged to have the opportunity to talk to the, talk to these people and just be included like in the conversation. Uh, I'm still, still getting accustomed to that and getting comfortable with that. Yeah. It's like life. Life is a is a weird and wonderful thing, and I mean, this it's, is just it's, it's, a really cool part of it. It's weird. I don't know about wonderful. Well, let's. It's a little too positive for me here. You know, uh, <laughs> one one of us ha- one of us has to be. So like so somehow we we come out in this happy medium place. So you know, I'm I'm the I'm the light in this in this equation here, <laughs> which I can't even say with a fucking straight face. But um, yeah. Anyways, well, this has been yes, fun again. And thank you for joining me this week. Yeah. See you see you again sometime. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Bye. Don't say bye at the end. There, that, that up was a phone call. Hanging up the phone call. That, that was a nice little bit at the end though. Bye. You know, the like, this is fun thing. Bye. Bye. No, you hang up. Fuck you. Yeah, you hang up. <laughs> no, you hang you. up. <laughs>